Cards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Army Whistleblower Specialist Carolina Stanzik. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, Patriots. And tonight is Wednesday, August 9th in the year 2023. Patriots, tonight we have a harrowing story. And I, I'm telling you, it even breaks me up talking about it. <clears throat> Tonight we are going to hear the story from Specialist Carolina Stanzik, a 23-year-old National Guard member who entered the military to gain the proficiency in military intelligence, who was told that she only had one of two options, to take the vax before she went to basic training or to take it after in which case they told her she may not be able to recover and finish basic training. She didn't know her rights. She didn't understand that she actually had a way out, was compelled to take the vax, and has now suffered three heart attacks. And her story is just devastating. And she is one of the most amazing fighters you will meet. Our military is the most corrupted cesspool of leadership right now I have ever imagined. It breaks my heart. It angers me. It brings me to rage on the absolute shitbaggery that is going on in our leadership command and the lack of integrity and love for our soldiers. And this is somebody tonight who you are going to hear an amazing story of somebody who is a fighter, a fighter beyond all measure. Now, Patriots, before we begin, as we know, these dirtbags do many things. One of the things we are facing on a global level right now is what's coming up in a few days called the Durban Award, Accords, excuse me, Durban Accords. This is the greatest threat to the U.S. dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are expected to announce the launch of the new international supercurrency fully backed by gold and other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the U.S. and the dollar as cornerstones of the global financial system. How can you protect your IRA and 401k from this fall fallout from this landmark announcement. Diversify with gold with from Birch Gold Group. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which is obviously right now. Get a free info kit on gold IRAs and decide for yourself if a tax-sheltered retirement account backed by physical precious metals is right for you. Text the word BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. There is a monumental shift happening among nations that control one-third of the world's GDP, and it kicks off on August 22nd. Arm yourself with information to protect your retirement savings. Text BARDS to the number 989898 and claim your info kit today from Birch Gold. Patriots, I'm telling you, this war that's been waged on us is, there's just no words to really express the deceit, the treason, and the willful compliance of people to everything they knew was wrong. 
and the damage is real. It's people. It's young women like this young lady, Carolina Stanzik, who was an athlete, who was top in her class, who is still an unbelievable performer. All of these things and this entire injection process was designed intentionally to maim, injure, and kill. It's right out of the playbook of Satan himself. And every person that was involved in this, and when I say that, I'm talking about those that knowingly were involved in delivering it, and those commanders that turned their back on common sense and the the interest of the soldiers, they're all going to be held accountable at the end of this. And I hope they hear this, because no matter how this falls apart, there is no possible way in my life or many others I know that you will escape the hunt that is coming. If you think Nazi hunters were something, you wait till you set us free because it's coming and we will pursue you to the ends of the earth to bring you to judge, judgment and justice. The damage that has been done. I don't know what has happened to the infrastructure of our NCOs, our first sergeants, our sergeant majors, our platoon sergeants, We have lost the entire integrity within our military ranks of people that cared enough for their soldiers to put their career on the line to protect the soldier. But that doesn't happen now. Instead, people are so consumed with the political nonsense of trying to get a rank, trying to get a new position, trying to get a deployment overseas, trying to get a new training. They have sold their soul literally to the devil. And it's an absolute disgust to put that uniform on. Any one of those people, and if you're listening, if you are one of those, take the damn uniform off because you're a disgrace to this nation or at least do us all a favor and put on a UN flag and suck up to the the evil that you serve because this is absolutely insane right now. And this story tonight literally is heartbreaking and yet it is such a statement of an overcomer. It gives you heart to know that people can still be hit with this and still have such strength to face much of this alone. So take this story to your heart. Understand what this is about and understand that this is the courage this country needs to win it back. Now, Patriots, before we start tonight, we know that these people are crazy. They are using food as a weapon system. We've talked about this infinitely There are so many things coming at us from politics to weather to shortages in the production of our food supply. You need to be prepared. And I I cannot predict nor can you exactly what will happen, but we know that we have to be adaptable and prepared for what's to come, which does not look like bright sunshine. It's dark clouds on the horizon. Go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. There, it's My Patriot Supply Systems of Food Preparation, their emergency food kits. They have an unbelievable savings right now on their three-month emergency food kit, 25% off. It's never been this low. It's an amazing opportunity to get one for each member of your family, to have that insurance that you need on the shelf, knowing that that food, which can last for 25 years, is something you can grab and go or just rely on in the times of critical, critical need. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Check out the three-month Patriot Supply food systems. You're going to find these are fully packed. They have all the calories you need with a full range of flavors and great tasting foods in there and meals. It will be something you will feel great about having. And 
look, what's the worst possible thing? Everything blows over and nothing happens. And then somewhere in 25 years, have a party with the neighbors and celebrate the fact we still have a country. But either way, it's a, it's a preparation that's necessary in this hour. So again, head over to preparewithbards.com. Check out the My Patriot Supply three-month food system and take advantage of it today, 25% off. All right, Patriots, these stories rack me. They rack me because they are, they are the soldiers that we need. And just one more thing. Carolina is a specialist. In effect, effective rank is spec four. And every sergeant major in our country it's ever served knows there's such a thing called a spec four mafia. Let me tell you just a little bit about these. If you want to know what's going on in the military, if you want to know what Joe Snuffy is doing or what, what such and such is doing, the specialist class of people always have their fingers in all the things that are going on. They are the people to go to. And every sergeant major always has a specialist that he can return to, can turn to that will say, yep, sergeant major, that's what's actually going on. My hope is that Carolina Stanzik, as a specialist, will inspire the other many specialists in our military to start bringing forth more and more truth into the public so we can really see who's who in this crazy zoo clown show we're in. Because we have to start putting names and faces to the turds that are trying to kill our soldiers. And we just need to start understanding who we can trust and who has already sold their soul. And that needs to start happening. Because we are dealing with terrorism and infiltration within our ranks that is dismantling our military and doing an indirect attack on our children of this nation and our youth and our young men and women of this nation. So without further delay, let me introduce you to Specialist 4, Carolina Stanzik. Well, Patriots, today I'm very honored to have with us Carolina Stanzik, and though you may not know that name, you will by the end of today's show. Carolina is an Army National Guard member in Virginia, and uh, she has been dealing with the consequences of the bioweapon injection vax. And today she's going to tell us her story and kind of walk us through the things that are going on once again inside of our military and what they're doing to our soldiers. So, Carolina, good morning, and how are you? Good morning. How are you? Doing well. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so my name, obviously, Carolina Stanzik. I am in the Virginia National Guard. Um, because I am there, I have to cover my butt. So, you know, everything I say, opinions, thoughts, and experiences are my own, not the DOD or the U.S. Army. Um I got the vaccine actually in March and April of 2021 when it was first administered and we were told, get it now, recover now, or get it later and you won't recover. And so with that advice and that leadership, that's what we did. And ever since then, my health has just been an ongoing battle, pretty much deteriorating by like the days and months. So when you talk about, when you say, um, get it now and recover, get it later and don't recover. Explain that a little bit. Yeah. So they told us we wouldn't have time to recover when we got into basic training. Um, basically you're going to be go, go, go. You're going to be pushed by your leadership to get all these physical requirements done. And if you miss any time, you're going to get recycled. You won't graduate. 
So basically your chances of surviving basic training or any training for that matter was more than likely not going to happen. Um, if you had gotten it when they had told us March and April 2021, we were, we were just drilling. And so we would have had time to recover, aka go home, relax, sleep, whatever um, the symptoms would bring to you. You could basically cope with it in your own comfort. Interesting. What was your motivation for joining the National Guard? So I was currently in college, I want to say junior year of college at Liberty University. Uh, I was studying criminal justice and homeland security, and I wanted to go into counterterrorism and anti-trafficking. That was the goal with my long-term career. And so I knew if I joined the National Guard, not only would it allow me to go to the civilian sector for work, but it would also give me the training and the chance to um, experience kind of the world and different sides of what Intel community has to offer. So went into the National Guard with um, a plan. I went into Intel. That's what I thought I was going to go into. And that completely didn't happen <laughs> uh, just a few months later when I was removed from the Intel school due to my health. Liberty U, Christian-based university. Yes, I did. What was their position on the VAX? Um, Liberty University actually didn't really abide by any of the COVID um, protocols or any of their rules and whatnot. Um, I know the state, I don't remember who exactly the governor was at the time, but they hadn't issued any sort of rules and mandates until like eight months into COVID. Liberty University pretty much kept the school open, said, you know, your, your body, your freedom, like go ahead and if you don't want to wear a mask, don't worry about it. If you don't want to get a vaccine, don't worry about it. They were not all that concerned. And I, I honestly would have to say I stand by Liberty on that one. Oh, that's great. I just I had not had any information on Liberty. That's why I was curious. So you're in this kind of dual situation where you're trying to pursue. You've already signed your paperwork yeah. for the National Guard, correct, for going in? Yes, I did. You don't really have a choice at that point, according to the way they're framing it. What I'm understanding, what you're saying is there, you can't back out of your contract with the National Guard. I think that's something that's important because you've signed your paperwork to go to basic training. So you're given basically a choice. Take it now. Take it later. If you take it now, there's a chance that you can, you can be ready for basic training. Take it later. You're going to get discharged out if you can't complete the training. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly how that went. Okay. So let's talk about what's happened to you. Okay. Um, so within the first vaccine, 24 hours, uh, shortness of breath, chest pain, uh, sinus infection, or kind of like the symptoms with all of that. Um, every symptom of a sinus infection, respiratory infection, I was experiencing pretty short lived. Uh, the second vaccine I got, I experienced all of that to a greater extent. And I was also dealing with um, dizziness pins and needle feelings, and my first fever in my life. So pretty much bedridden for about four days. And then I was like, okay, what's going on? Um, I want to say June, the first week of June when I was in basic training, my health just took like a bigger hit. And they had diagnosed me officially with a sinus infection. Just a couple of weeks later, I got diagnosed with a respiratory infection. And right after that, it, they said, you know, you have bronchitis. Here's all these medications, antibiotics and inhalers. 
fast forward to October 2021. So now we're April to October, just a few months. Um, I was experiencing what felt like palpitations or a balloon blowing up in my chest. And I was like, what is going on? My heart rate was really high. I was coughing up blood during uh, physical activity. Every time I would lay down, I couldn't breathe. And so I went to the clinic, um, the clinic I'm based, and they rejected me and said, you know, look in here. We look busy, don't we? And I said, yes, ma'am. It was a captain at the time I was speaking to. And she was like, come back another day. So I said, okay. I left, called the nurse hotline. They said, go to the hospital. And I went there and that was heart attack number one. So weird symptoms, never experienced a heart attack. Never in my life ever thought those symptoms would be that. But then I was informed, well, females have different symptoms. And I was like, wow, interesting. Um, from there, fast forward four months, I was fighting tooth and nail to see a pulmonologist, which I was diagnosed with severe asthma. Never had asthma a day in my life. I was diagnosed with a enlargement in my heart. Never had that in my life. And then on top of that, I was allergic to pretty much everything from cats to grass, like everything under the sun, um, the whole Southwest region I was allergic to. And that was only exacerbating all of my conditions. February of 2022, I had experienced a second heart attack and that one had been a lot worse. Now, we are in August of 2023, up to date. If we fast forward, that would be three heart attacks later, a mini stroke, um, got diagnosed with POTS, still have asthma, pending neurological evaluations for MS and neuropathy. Um, they told me I have mitral valve prolapse now, and that's pretty much how it's been going for me. Did you complete basic training? I completed basic training. Uh, I didn't miss any sort of requirements. I went through basic training. I just took their advice of, you know, don't go to the clinic. You won't get, uh, you know, you won't finish your requirements. So I didn't go to the clinic unless like I had time or they said, okay, now if you want to go to the clinic, it's a good time to go. And I pretty much sucked it up. Uh, couldn't complete my second training, which was for Intel school in Arizona, because they pulled me out due to conflict with um, security and the Holter monitor they had prescribed me. So you're still in the National Guard? I am still in the National Guard. <laughs> and are they still providing you with benefits? To an extent. So, I mean... Up to October, November of 2022, I had been told don't report your liabilities. And so I didn't report and all of my medical expenses had been completely put on me. Like the responsibility of it was put on me. I was released from active duty with no proper, um, what we call is a line of duty, but basically no proper care or plan of action after you leave active duty. And so I was solely responsible for any and all medical expenses that would have happened and been caused by my time in service. Let's go back to the VAX originally. Okay. You're in a university that is not, um, wasn't exactly, was making any decision either way. Did you see the, the injection as something critical, as necessary in your life, or was it more at the point of you were trusting the agencies. I'm just trying to get your mindset of what, what was giving you, compelling you to take it 
and how you were feeling about taking it at the time. So I actually was working in the ER at the time and they had been talking about getting the vaccine, but the location I was in, Lynchburg, Virginia, pretty much everyone there was against the vaccine. Um, healthcare workers, you know, firefighters, paramedics, everyone like that. They were pretty much all against the vaccine, said it's too early. There's not enough information on this. And I was like, I signed a contract. I joined the military for the reasons I joined, right? Um, wasn't for the benefits. I wanted to serve my country. I knew that, you know, they're telling me I have to do this. I'm going to have to do it either down the road or now. And they pose us with recover now or don't recover at all type of, you know, it's kind of like a predicament, a moral dilemma. And at the same time, I didn't know any loopholes I would have had. So I didn't know that you could essentially leave the military without going AWOL. You know, like I, I really had no idea what my rights were as a soldier or new soldier, whatever it was. I didn't know those things. And then we were also told um, there's no such thing as a religious accommodation or a religious exemption. And there's no way to get medical exemptions. Mind you, at this time, I didn't have any sort of medical issues. So medical exemption wouldn't have made sense to me. Um, I thought, you know, obviously the religious one would have made sense, but I was told there's no such thing as that. Well, that's exactly what they got everybody on, was lack of understanding people's rights. And they understand that completely. Exactly. So your situation right now, have you had any improvement in your situation as you tried to shift to protocols? And why don't you talk a little bit about the protocols you're working with right now? So I've been following the red laser therapy, uh, doing a lot of infrared sauna, um, lots of supplements. I know magnesium has helped crucial amounts. Um, I mean, each protocol I've done, I've noticed differences. I do IV infusions. It's just difficult when your symptoms are internal. And the first thing that people are like, you know, that's kind of scary. Maybe you should go to the hospital, right? Um, protocols pretty much keep your symptoms to a minimum and then all obviously heal your body, but you don't know that your body isn't healed until like an event happens. And so every time I end back up in the hospital, it's like I'm restarting all over again. It's a vicious circle. Yeah, it, it's been a crazy circle and it's really difficult because I've been in like the process of moving, um, the financial struggles of trying to upkeep, you know, reading myself, but obviously going to the doctors and travel and all those things. It's not been an easy road for me at all. Um, I'm pretty much at the point of screw the Western medicine and get on one regiment and follow that, stick with it and just pray it works at this point. You don't mind me asking, how old are you right now? I am 23. Talk to me about your physical nature before this all, like activity-wise, athlete, um, sports, anything like that, before this began. Yeah. Um, growing up, uh, athlete, I was playing five sports year-round, basketball, soccer, softball, cross-country, and swim. Uh, my time in college, I would, I would complete at least one 10-mile run every week. Um, if not, you know, a couple miles for a warm up. That was nothing difficult. That was nothing short of difficult for me. Like I was breezing through all of that. You know, I expected basic training to be, I mean, difficult, but not super difficult. Um, I honestly was at like my prime 
And then since then, I have struggles of just standing up and like, I'll wake up and my heart rate just goes to like the 150s, 160s, occasionally like 180s. And that's just waking up. That's not even doing anything or overexerting any sort of my body. I'm just going to throw this comment in and we'll continue. But what you've just described and what Carolina has just described, if you've not done regular runs at 10 miles, just that alone, if you're doing that, you know your body. You understand your heart rates. You understand your breathing. And that's part of a regular regime in your life. Yeah. Those are, those are half marathons. And I, I used to do half marathons. I, I don't right now, but um, in, in my prime, I was doing half marathons three and four times a week. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. And that is a, a when you know your body. So I say that because a lot of people have not experienced athlete, athletics and haven't been participating in the number of sports that you have can often easily dismiss what you're describing as, well, you know, it, maybe you had the problem before. There is no possible way that you could have accomplished what you did by having some of the symptoms you have now. So we just I want to qualify that to anybody out there listening. I think it's super important. Yeah, I think the toughest part is, you know, you mentioned about people talking about, well, did that happen before, you know, the vaccine? Did you have these issues? Mind you, I've never, ever, ever seen the inside of a hospital. I've like, I dated a firefighter at some point. Right. And I've still never seen the inside of a hospital. I've never been in the hospital. I've never seen the inside of an ambulance. Um, I didn't even know what an IV was there, like things like that. I was so oblivious to the medical field. Like that's how healthy I was. And that's how far away I was from the medical field and like the hospitals and like doctors and stuff. I mean, if I go to the doctor, it would for a physical checkup or like, hey, go get this vaccine for school or whatever. But even then, I mean, they would tell us, go get the flu shot. And I would never get the flu shot. Um, I would just take that little bit of fine that the school would, you know, charge to your account. But yeah, my body completely different. And I have eight siblings and people are like, you know, is this a genetic thing? And I was like, if it was a genetic thing, my siblings would have all been affected by it as well. You know, there's eight of us they would have been affected by it. And I happen to be the only one. So clearly there's something wrong with whatever vaccine I was given versus whatever they were given, you know? Oh, there's no question. This, but you're dealing with the denial of a public that was complicit in a crime against humanity. Let's just be very clear. Yeah. You are part of a group of people that were channeled and herded into having to take this injection. And I, and Without knowing your rights, and, I, and I'm reinforcing this point, which is absolutely correct, without knowing your rights once you signed the contract with the military, in your understanding of things, you had no choice, which I completely understand. But we are surrounded by the world of walking zombies in this, in this country that are in absolute denial still that they were all complicit in the crime of humanity of forcing people or at least compelling people to take one of the most deadly things ever placed upon us. And that's the bioweapon known as the COVID-19 vaccination. Right. So I understand completely. This has created, has to create a lot of challenges, obviously far beyond health. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Liberty University. Have you been able to complete your degree? So I completed my degree about a year late, given the fact I was on active duty, you know, 
it was pretty much, I was pushing myself when I was removed from training. Um, while I was as a medical hold active duty, I was trying to finish school. Um, multiple times I had to drop out of classes. And so this last semester I completed finally my degree, um, 15 credits in like, I want to say eight weeks uh, for Liberty University with a degree in Homeland Security and Strategic Intelligence. Wait a minute. You did you did 15 credits. That's a semester. You did it in eight weeks, two months? Yeah, I did. I was like, you know what? Enough is enough. If I get this, like that's a big milestone and my determination. I mean, anything I've been through in my life, right? Like I've been adopted and I've obviously experienced like basically the pits of hell the last two and a half years. Um, I was like, nothing's going to stop me at this point. And so put on my big girl pants and I was like, I'm just going to do it. I dropped 4,000 something dollars on school and I was like, go get it. And I walked across the stage. God bless you. That's awesome. An overcomer. You're going to be part of Bard's nation before you know it. Like right now. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that is, that's wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations to you. Seriously. I mean, that's everything you've just described to me is something that, I just want people to hear what you've been overcoming with all of these health issues. Now, how is it, how is your day right now? Like physically you talked about it's sometimes difficult to even get up. Yeah. Are, are you limited in mobility? Are you in pain all the time? Yeah. Um, so a new symptom that is kind of developed over the last two months, uh, my right leg, well, my right foot, basically, I've like lost mobility in it. And it's almost like partially paralyzed when I wake up. And I don't know if like the muscles are just completely cramping or what's going on, but something, you know, it's, it's hard for me to walk in the morning. I walk through it. Like, I mean, I walk it out type of thing, but um, it's day to day. Like if I'm not in pain, I'm probably dizzy. If I'm not dizzy, I'm probably in a lot of pain. If you know, it's not my heart. It's probably my lungs. So essentially it's just like, if it's not one thing, it's the other. Um, and it's a constant, you know, day to day half together is put together for me, you know? So you weren't, you haven't been forced out of the military. No. You're in an interesting place because you haven't also completed your advanced training, which is, that puts you in a strange place within it. I did. Oh, you did complete it. Okay. I, they sent me to a second one to, leave Arizona. So I had to leave Arizona for medical reasons um, because I was apparently allergic to everything over in that Southwest region. Um, so I left Arizona, went back to my home uh, state. I wrote a letter to the commander, actually handwritten letter and handed it to him when I was on, doing my um, whatever couple hour shift for CQ. Uh, it's basically like security, whatever. And I handed him a letter giving three options. I had done my research and I was like, these are the three options I can have. And I acknowledged his, his position. I accepted my position as a private first class at the time. And I just was like, these are the three options I'm willing to accept. Um, if you could give me any of the three, I will stay in and figure out what I have to do to go from there. But basically, I need to leave the state of Arizona per doctors. And here's a doctor's letter. Um, he met with me and he said, that's fine. We'll write you orders to, uh, Virginia. And so they did, um, basically it's called a T space, just transfer of MOSs. Um, went to the quartermaster, uh, AIT advanced training in Virginia. 
at Fort Lee where I had actually enlisted, finished that training. And I mean, I was top of class, but they weren't allowed to give me any sort of um, award for it because I missed so much class again due to medical. But, you know, I, I finished that and they told me, if we don't tell you anything by the end of graduation, you're leaving and you're going home. And I knew that that wasn't necessarily correct, but enough was enough and I wasn't going to do their job for them and tell them what to do. So the National Guard commitment you signed in originally, was it the six by two, six years by two years inactive? Yes. Okay. So how many, how much time do you have left on that contract? Is it five, four or five years, something like that? (laughs) Something, uh, yeah, three and a half years. (laughs) Wow. Okay, and then you, you're you're committed to are you still holding having to hold to one weekend a month? Is that correct? Technically, yes, but I don't. Well, due to doctors, I don't report. Um, doctors were like, she's not in any sort of stable condition to report that far. Like my family is down in Florida. Granted, um, my family has been pretty absent from my life, given all of this. In and out of the hospital, they've yet to visit me. And originally they had told me to move down to Florida because they were here and because they wanted to help. Um, Now I'm on my own and pretty much doing this by myself or people that have come to me over the internet have come to my aid. But yeah, I'm not reporting anymore for the military. They made me report in May. Um, And that's because they found out I went public with my case and my story. I got there. I was supposed to fill out all these papers and not a single paper did I sign. So there really is no evidence that I even reported that month. Wow. Are you still getting your, your what is I guess it's MUTA, your pay, your equivalent of pay yeah. for your service, or how does that work? Uh, yes, now I am. I filed a congressional, and so now that's back and running. I'm getting those payments. But other than that, um, I'm pretty much playing tango with my unit and with the army at this point. Talk to us about this research that you've had to do. What I'm asking here is has greater implications than just dealing with the DOD. Yeah. You're into a box, so to speak. You're looking at no way out. This is the framing of our life almost on a daily basis in dealing with the federal government. And you've had to find and navigate your way through this with very little support or none at all. How did you go about that? What was what was your avenues to finding the solutions that would start to give you power back in a situation that wants to tell you you have none? Right. So it would backtrack to when I was in Arizona, and my godfather was a retired lieutenant colonel, actually part of the MI um, community. And so I had been talking to him, and he had been telling me my rights and what's supposed to be happening, what's not supposed to be happening, uh, pretty much from a legal standpoint as well. And I was probably 30, 45 minutes away from filing an IG complaint. And then my godfather was like, I want you to leave the state of Arizona before we file anything. um, Because I do not want them to hold you there longer against your will. And so that's pretty much how that went. Um, He had called the battalion commander and battalion commander. I mean, there was a whole lot of um, corruption going on with deletion of my documents, cancellation of appointments. HIPAA violations, there were, I mean, you name it, I was getting threatened with being brought up on insubordination for following doctor's orders. So at this point, I'm like, I could be named, uh, you know, the worst soldier, basically, 
you know, someone who doesn't obey, someone who doesn't follow orders, um, or someone who sits there, shuts up, and moves on and pretty much observes from the outside and then will make her move later. And that's kind of the approach I had to take. So I would take a lot of outside information, gather all of it, and then make my move once I got out of the active orders, um, knowing that, like, as long as I'm in active orders, that was pretty much holding me back from anything I wanted to do. So got to Florida, I filed a congressional because I was told that would be your best bet. Um, I got a lot of help from people doing that. My roommate at the time got me in contact with a few people um, who went public as well, and they were part, they were officers in the military. I will be careful what I say, their names. But um, now my circle has become super wide, and you know I have people pretty much at my fingertip. I could ask you know for help and assistance and legal advice and whatnot but I would have to say my support now my system of like help and advice has just grown immensely speaks a lot to the diligence and commitment you've made to getting set free that's it's pretty incredible let's go back to what you said in Arizona it's kind of this is really interesting so they know that you're having an issue mm-hmm do you think that they're identifying that that issue's origin is the vax? And do you think that's the motivation? Is there any connection that you can make that that motivation of the way that they treated you, trying to do the things you discussed, deleting files, violating HIPAA, not listening to the doctor's orders, do you think that's a motivation to drive you out because they know that you're a casualty of the vax? Or is this just a malicious command? Um, partially, I think it was malicious. Partially, I think it was a group thing of people understanding of what's going on. They're seeing the rates of soldiers dropping in front of them. Um, quite literally, I know people who have like dropped dead on that same base. Uh, Fort Huachuca has a terrible reputation and is known for their lack of medical um, care. Uh, articles were written on them. Um, but yeah, so I want to say four out of 12 people in my platoon, in the holds platoon, were medical um, discharges or pending medical discharges for the exact same stuff as I was. Um, a lot of them ended up giving up the fight uh, for whatever reason, right? And they took the, I will leave on mental, um, what would you call it? Uh, mental disorders, I don't know, like... Um, behavioral health issues, basically. And are they going to try to section eight you? What'd you say? Were they trying to section eight you like psychologically imbalanced? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So they were trying to, um, that's what it appeared to be, right? Because they would sit there and make fun of you or ridicule you and tell you that, you know, it's really all in your head or you're just wasting time or you're being a baby or, you know, quote unquote, what they told me was quit bitching. Um, when I had asked for my medical records, this is unbelievable. So it, it, yeah. And it's crazy because, you know, I kept the fight going and I didn't give up. And I mean, part of me was like, why didn't I give up? I should have given up whatever. And then the other half of me is like, if I don't do it, who is going to do it? You know? And so all these other people, they're discharged. They're not going to ever see the um, restitution in their life because they didn't fight all the way through. Sad to say, you know, like people gave up because that's how much pressure they put on us mentally and emotionally. I think that's a huge piece you just said. And this, 
and I'm taking this as a, a statement much bigger than just your case, so I'm not minimizing what you're saying, but everything that this government does is to try to pressure you to give up without moving through the, con- the conclusive ends that would give you restitution or resolve. Yes. And that is, and the military is number one at this. This is incredible. Everything that you're, you've described, I haven't heard one indication other than your godfather. I haven't heard one indication of anybody inside, I mean, in, in the circles that were around you in your command. So let me be clear about that. So that would exclude your godfather anyway. Yeah. I haven't heard one story, and, and I'm hoping, I'm, I may say this naively not, but I kind of tongue-in-cheek optimistically, that somebody in there would have cared about their soldier. You, did you have a first sergeant? Did you have a platoon sergeant, a platoon leader? Did you have a captain, a company commander? Did anybody care about your situation to say, you have a voice, you're right, I want to help you? Um, honestly, the first company I was in, I would have to say that those drill sergeants, those drill instructors were like top of the line, but obviously whatever um, their decisions, that their final decisions are to be made is typically speaking going to be ruled by you know the commander and the first sergeant. Um, they got ruled out by the first sergeant and the commander of that, um, company. And so I got moved to another company that was even worse. Um, the chaplain, I, I, this is, this is what's wild. So you, no one is supposed to speak over the chaplain. That's what I was told. The chaplain has like the final say, essentially. Um, and so I was told, utilize the chaplain, utilize the chaplain, utilize the chaplain. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Use the chaplain as, like, your voice. And so what do I do? Go to the chaplain. Um, I knew a different chaplain through a different um, battalion. And so I'd spoken to him. He got me in contact with the chaplain at my battalion. And so he he and I were supposed to meet. And then things started getting deleted. Appointments started getting canceled. And I was not receiving uh, cardiac care between heart attack number one and heart attack number two. And I was going to the chaplain, like, I need these appointments. You guys need to come up with some sort of plan. And then my chaplain's appointments started getting canceled because, oh, they're busy. Oh, this or, oh, that. And, um, a lot of it was just, oh, they're too busy. Oh, like, you know, that request, you know, they're leaving, whatever it was. Something was in the air, something felt fishy, you know, you don't really understand because you don't get to see it forefront, but obviously one in one adds up to two. You start to see a pattern, and that's what I started seeing was a big pattern of why is this getting canceled? Now they're bringing this person into it, and they'll make you feel crazy. They will legitimately make you feel crazy. Wow. How important was your faith in all of this? Obviously, if you're going to Liberty U, face this part of your life. Talk about that and where you were walking in that, in that space with all of these other things coming at you. Yeah. Um, faith was a big part of it. Um, I was pretty much subjected to whatever was around me. And so I would go to, uh, the church services or whatever it was chapel on Sundays and some of my battles, I got moved from one company and moved into the next one. And so I would, I mean, you could say I technically broke the rules to go to chapel or uh, church service on Sundays, 
but I would, I mean, I would leave the company and go to church because like, that was like the only thing that was holding me together. And I would have to say, I had like a few good, good friends that I stayed in contact with that were pretty much keeping my spirits high and fighting for me and talking, you know, to the higher ups on my behalf. They were just like, something's got to give. Um, my faith obviously had to be really strong because I've been told to just give up. And there's days that I 100% wanted to. And I mean, one of the toughest conversations I had was with my cardiologist. And I was just like, I'm a fighter. I know this. But if something happened to me in my sleep where it ended all of this pain and all this suffering, I would be okay with it at this point. That was then. How does that statement fit you now? Um, I, I know I have a bigger fight. And there's days that I'm like, yeah, I want to give up. But it wouldn't be to the extent of losing my life. Um, it's just like, it's really, really hard emotionally, physically, and mentally to keep fighting the system, the system medically, the system with the department of defense, the system with the army, people who tell you that you don't know anything, people that tell you to shut up. Um, I mean, I have a big fight ahead of me, but I also have a lot of hope and faith that it's going to work out in like the next year, year and a half. So I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you a little something you don't know, but I want you to, I'm going to open a door for you. I know you said you've got an expanding network, but you're speaking to a community of people that's big. And collectively, we're known as Bards Nation. Right. This is a group of people that every single person in this community in one way or another has been cast out of something, wandered in the desert to come here and ultimately find their faith and center in Jesus Christ. Right. We pray every week for healing. So one, I want to extend that to you that we would like to play, pray for you for healing. Mm -hmm. And we have amazing results through this. But I also want to open this door and I'll send you some, make sure you get contact of how we connect. But if you need prayer, if you need people just to be able to, to give you that prayer and support, I don't think you'll find a more dedicated group of people that will stand with you and give you that and become in a certain way a, sur a surrogate spiritual family for you. So that door is open. I would extend that to you in a big way because I think it's when the way that you're walking and the world that you're walking in, you're carrying a lot of weight. Yeah. But I think it's also important to remember where, where two or three are gathered and God does hear our prayers. And so that door is open to you. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know like this one phrase came to mind, um, destined for greater and called to higher because even though my situation seems to suck in the moment. Um, there's a greater purpose, you know. I have no doubt you have a greater purpose. And I think this is the biggest challenge that we all face sometimes is we put so much of the emphasis on our physical and real, and not realizing the impact we have even through our trials. In a certain sense, whether we like it or not, it's a bit somewhat of a Job moment. And we're being put under these trials, which is to have greater effects than just on ourselves. Yeah. Have you had have you had feedback from others that your effort has inspired them to courage? Yeah, actually, I have a really good example. Um, I was seeking out treatment. Uh, a dear friend of Dr. Chambers, um, his one of his friends was treating me, doing red laser therapy, whatnot. I went to their clinic in Orlando and laying on the bed whatever. Um, they said, you know, Carolina, we have someone that needs to meet you, someone that needs to hear your story. Um, 
And I was just like, okay. And like, I hear this a lot and people reach out on social media and stuff, but this is the first time um, that I had ever met someone in person that had read about me, heard about me, seen my story before they met me. And so this guy walks in the room and he just goes, Oh my God, are you the girl? He's like, you're the girl that was on that article. And he was like, I think you are. And I was like, well, is she in the military? And he was like, yeah, the picture was in the, um, or was in uniform. I was like, wow. Okay. So mind you, Epic Times had just released an article about me like two days before that. Um, I told him kind of like, you know, I promised him that the days will get better, that even at my worst and things like that, I told him my worst moments and I told him I do have better days and that there will always be a better day. I promised him that we just kind of talked about the worst and the best. And then I had been told later that uh, he was potentially uh, contemplating suicide and that I basically saved him from going through with that. Um, I had like motivated him and given him a sense of hope. And I was just like, that's what the goal in speaking out is, you know, to help others understand they're not the only ones and that there's a team of us that are working together to get through this and that, you know, you, you meet other people, you talk to other people and there's a way to get through it. This is the truth. We, we are stronger together than we are singly, Yep. but you've, you've walked both paths, Yeah. which is very, very significant. You are, you're also in a very unique position now because I'm sure people do share their testimonies. Yeah. Are you seeing this problem that you're dealing with as very unique or do you think that this is a much broader issue in the force now that they've pretty much injected 90% of the force? Oh, it was a very broad issue. I want to say even a year and a half, two years ago, it's now becoming super common even in the civilian sector. And so it's finally opening people's eyes. Like it was an issue, but now people are starting to recognize it and acknowledge it and starting to, you know, attack the root issue of it. And I think that's the biggest change that has been made was going from, oh, don't talk about it because we can't talk about it to people need to hear about this. People need to speak up and people need to stop, you know, shying away from the real issue. So how has been your reception on the outside? Because National Guard, obviously, you're you're running your military service in parallel with your regular civilian life. Yeah. So how has that reception been in your struggles in the National Guard? How is that received in the civilian sector? Even how was it received in Liberty University? Uh, Liberty University, honestly, I mean, I had certain professors that were great. Um, the dean of students he was very supportive. He had been following my story and him and I had been in contact. Um, there was a three star from the Navy, I believe. Mm, don't, don't count me there. I don't know if that if he was Navy or not, but um, I think he was, he had spoken to me and he was just like, your command 100% failed you. And these are civilians talking about this. Um, I'm getting a lot more support now. Uh, civilian side outside of the military, but I mean, the medical system still completely flawed, completely flawed. They're still pretty much brainwashed. Yes, they are. Well, I know you are, you're talking, if you're talking to Colonel Pete Chambers, retired, you're going to be getting some incredible connections through him as well. He's a good friend and a good man. Um, and if there's, yeah, from our own side here, I mean, I just let you know, I'm in I've had the privilege of working with some of the best alternate docs 
in the world. And if you need a resource, I'm happy to make an introduction for you anytime. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there a place that people can follow your story? Are you documenting it? Do you have a blog, a website? So we have a couple things. Um, a Air Force pilot had one, he started a gift and go because military stopped paying for my medical expenses. We're about $70,000 in medical debt right now. Um, so they started a gift and go. And then on top of that, I, I have my Facebook, I have my Instagram, I have my Twitter that um, pretty much all links together. You can find me at any of those. Look up Carolina Stanzik and you'll find my story. Go ahead and spell the last name because that's not a normal spelling for Stanzik. Yeah, well, Carolina with a K and then Stanzik, S-T-A-N-C-I-K. C-I-K. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Well, you are doing an amazing job. We always close the show with a prayer. If, if you don't mind, I'll lead a prayer. Yeah. Father God, I just want to thank you for this meeting. And today, Father, we're asking for just an amazing miracle, a blessing to settle in upon Carolina. You have once again shown the world the strength of your children in spite of impossible odds and in spite of the challenges that want to bring people down. So, Father, we're praying for a blessing of healing and a pressing of all the things necessary for restoration of the body and this of this young lady who has been a fighter, who's showing to have the courage of the biblical characters of our history that have the ability to stand against all odds, to keep their faith and to keep their eyes on you. So, Jesus, we just ask in this moment that you can just be with her and fill her fully with the love and the compassion and the power of the Holy Spirit. And as she continues forward, to continue to give her her strength, expand her platform, to give her voice a greater range so that people can be inspired by this person who is truly an overcomer. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a pleasure it's been to talk to you today. You're doing great work. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You're doing, it's a hard walk. Everything you described, I'm just as I'm sitting here thinking through this whole story of what you faced, you've had a lot of things against you, but you've overcome. And I would just encourage you to remember that God did not put you here to be anything other than the overcomer that you are. It's an amazing story. I appreciate that. That's really true. Well, if you need things, let me know. um, The door is open for you, and um, we'll make sure and get you some contact information. So if you'd like to at any time, Follow, participate, reach into some amazing prayer warriors that we have in this community. I know that people will race to your side to support you with prayer, and sometimes that's some, one of the most powerful things we can bring into this fight. Yeah, that would be awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Carolina. It's been an honor to have you on today and just bless you for all you're doing, and I look forward to keeping in touch and keeping track of your story as you move forward. Yeah, we will definitely keep in touch. Stay tuned. All right. God bless you. You too. Par- uh, Patriots, that was Carolina Stanzik. She's a specialist for in the Virginia Army National Guard. It's a story that just is heartbreaking, and it's unfortunately one of many in this climate that we're living, and they're doing everything they can to bury this not just her story, but all these stories of soldiers that have suffered this vax, and for that matter, the entire entire country and world. This has been the greatest crime against humanity we've ever imagined. 
And we can't let these stories be brushed under the rug or forgotten, nor can we allow people to be in denial. The fact is that this country, to a large degree, in the percentages of probably 60% of our nation, willfully participated and became the agents of terror and even coercion in with the greatest crime against humanity that we've ever known. And every one of these people in this nation at one point or another must be confronted with the truth that they were participant in this horror. And that's just something that has to be never forgotten or never let go. Now I'm going to ask you before we finally close out tonight, even though I know we've done our prayer, I'm going to ask you to join me in a prayer for supernatural healing for Carolina Stanzik. Father God, man, we come here today just heavy hearts. And we just are, as we've just listened to the testimony of a young lady that was just seeking to join in uh, the service to her nation to expand her capacity and capability to grow and to give service at the same time. So, Father, in the process, she was ambushed, persuaded, coerced in so many levels. And this is a moment here, Father, where just the reality of the pain and the suffering and the, and the damage that's done just hits us and strikes us so deep. So, Father, with the, with the authorities given to us by our Savior, Jesus, and with the blood of Jesus, we place a hedge of protection around Carolina Stanzik. And we pray from heaven to earth that the Holy Spirit will just flow through her, fill her, warm her. And, Father, we pray for supernatural healing. And more than we don't just pray, Father, we're declaring it with the authorities given to us as we place ourselves before the throne and ask this young lady be supernaturally healed, that all the damage that has been done by the vax, that it is, it is flushed from her body, that her heart is restored to the fullness, that her muscles and, and nerves are restored to the perfection the kingdom intended, that she's able to return again to the running that she did and the athletics that she did just a few short years ago. Father, we plead this in the blood of Christ as we place yet another one that this evil that we can't even describe continues to try to savage and ravage. And so, in Jesus Christ's name, we declare healing. Amen. All right, patriots. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude 
towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 